Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Well, we've come into the last message of our conference on the intrinsic and organic building up of the church as the body of Christ. The intrinsic and organic building up of the church as the body of Christ. To remind ourselves one more time, these two wonderful words, intrinsic and organic. Intrinsic is something inward, uh, something hidden, something essential, something fine, uh, and something organic in itself. These are the intrinsic things. And organic means full of life and specifically full of the divine life the resurrection life of Christ in and as the Spirit. So we, uh, we want to follow the pattern of the, uh, the original apostles, the early apostles in the, in the churches, to uh, work out the intrinsic and organic building up of the body of the church as the body of Christ. And this message, uh, message number five, on the intrinsic factor of the winds of teaching for their evil purpose, uh, show us that even from very early in the uh, New Testament age, there was an attempt by God's enemy, Satan, to destroy, to tear down the building up work. And this was mainly carried out by winds of teaching, uh, erroneous teachings, um, teachings that deviated from the healthy teaching of God's economy. Right at the beginning, I didn't plan this in my preparation, but I'm reminded right now that the winds of teaching, these teachings, are uh, because the enemy is crafty and the enemy is subtle, uh, he's not going to attack the church with clearly erroneous teachings, heretical teachings, although these are used by the enemy to distract, you could say, uh, non-Christians, unregenerated ones, uh, and, and of course some uh, regular Christians too. But the enemy being subtle and crafty very often mixes uh, error with truth or brings in a little deviation, a little difference, slightly different. In order for us to receive it, it can't appear to be too grossly wrong. So again, this is important that we realize that we need to uh, really be constituted with the apostles' teaching. We need to know the real thing. I'm reminded as an example, uh, the American Secret Service has two responsibilities, uh, guarding the President of the United States and guarding the currency of the United States. That's the function of the American Secret Service. So one of the things they must do is protect the currency. And Secret Service agents are trained to know counterfeit from real, real dollar bills from counterfeit dollar bills, how they are trained to know the real thing. They spend much of their time 
looking at the real thing. They know a dollar bill, how it looks, how it smells, how it feels to the touch. That's how they spot counterfeits. They go and they pick up a counterfeit bill and they go, doesn't look quite right. It's close, but there's something wrong. It doesn't feel right. There's something wrong. It doesn't smell right. So uh, this last message, I think the focus, one of the major focuses, is we do need to know the truth in order to guard against the enemy's subtle, clever, slight deviations, which at the beginning of the church age might have been a slight deviation, but today have brought many Christians far away from the central line and the central teaching of the apostles and the economy of God. Um, so again, the, these two words, intrinsic and organic, what I'd like to do also by way of review is if we could just look at the key statements from this conference. The key statements are the banners cover messages one, three, four, and five. We won't read mess, uh, banner number four. It's included in the outline of this message. But uh, message one, Roman 3a, is banner number one. We must walk in the life in the way of life, to live by the tree of life, according to the spirit, not in the way of death, to live by the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong, according to the self. And Brother Mark really brought this out in a very, very good way. We do not adjudicate, we do not judge, we do not evaluate things in the church life by right and wrong. Intrinsically, we're all wrong. And only the Lord is right. And only the Lord is the tree of life. And we must learn to live absolutely not by right and wrong, but by the divine life, by the sense of life, by life and peace, by going through the cross, by the spirit, enjoying and experiencing Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. Then the second uh, banner is from message 3, Roman 2c. The organic function of the church is for the building up of the church as the organic body of Christ, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. What a wonderful message. And again, our function, how does our co function come forth? How is our function manifested? By our growth in life and by the help of the perfecting saints, the joints of rich supply. They perfect the saints, they perfect us to do the work of the ministry, which is the direct building up of the body of Christ. So we all must grow up and um, enter into our organic function according to our measure. And this is the wonderful organic arrangement in the body of Christ, not an organization. I appreciated Mark's example. The brothers don't look around and say, oh, we have a need in this area. Who can we fit into that, that, that area of service? No, the brothers consider prayerfully before the Lord. They look at all the different growing saints. Lord, who is the right one? Who fits? 
into this area of service. Lord Jesus, this is the way that we build up the organic body of Christ by our organic function. Then message four we had earlier this morning, Roman 3C. We need to imitate the apostle to bring the local churches into the fellowship of the body of Christ. There is a universal fellowship not confined to my local church or the churches in my country or my region. There is a universal fellowship of the body of Christ in a place. I won't where it is. It's okay. But we, Brother Lee says in one place, we need to be universal Christians, universal Christians. Uh, bring us into the fellowship of the body of Christ and follow the apostles' footsteps to bring all the saints into the blending life of the entire body of Christ. And yes, the pandemic has been very negative in many, many countries on the earth, the United Kingdom, South, America, South Africa, Southern Africa, uh, the United States. But one of the blessings that has come forth from the negative pandemic is this ability for us to meet on Zoom, connecting us across the whole earth. We can go to a conference in the Balkans. This, um, this May, there will be an Eastern European, Central European, and Balkans conference. Last summer, last May, we had an absolutely marvelous time. I can't remember. It was about 1,600 saints from all over the earth who would never, if it was just a physical conference, ever be able to go to Zagreb, Croatia for a conference. But praise the Lord, they can join the conference on Zoom. What a blessing to Brother Mark and myself who long to come back to South Africa physically, we're so thankful we can be with you, blending with you online. Thank the Lord for Zoom. We should make the most of this wonderful um, provision of the Lord that we can blend together with the whole body of Christ online from the comfort and convenience of our room. Wonderful. And then the last uh, banner key statement I will mention when we get to it in the outline. Then just I'd like to, uh, you know, it seems interesting or it seems maybe surprising that we end our conference on a seemingly negative um, matter, the intrinsic factor of the winds of teaching for their purpose. Well, I maybe can at least explain it this way. I did mention that this is the source text for this conference, the organic building up of the church as the body of Christ to be the organism of the processed and now dispensing triune God. Well, this book, this, this conference was released by Brother Lee in November 1989 at the end of a major storm in the Lord's recovery. That storm was brought about by certain brothers who were workers, uh, responsible brothers in the churches and the work, who disagreed with Brother Lee about a number of things and a number of matters. And 
part of their stratagem was to bring in erroneous teachings. And in the outline five, Brother Lee, his outline, his outline, the original outline, talks about the winds of teaching, the devilish blowings uh, of the evil one, bringing storms into the churches. Again, we may think, oh, that, you know, a little deviation. Actually, a little deviation can bring in great destruction. And then he mentions the blowing teachings that, uh, and he defines the blowing teachings as different from the New Testament teaching concerning the economy of God for the building up of the unique and organic body of Christ. So intrinsic means hidden. It has a positive connotation related to hidden. We need a hidden life with the Lord. The intrinsic things are the hindered, inward and organic things. But intrinsic can have a negative connotation as in a, a teaching, a wind of teaching has a hidden purpose, an intrinsic factor, which is to tear down the organic building up of the body of Christ. So we need to be on our guard against winds of teaching with their intrinsic factor of tearing down the body of Christ, deviating, causing the saints, causing the churches to miss aim. And so some, and Brother Lee continues his outline with this, like the teachings of Judaism, Gnosticism and the church in Colossae, uh, you could say some of the Judaistic teachings in, um, in Ephesus, where Timothy was sent. In ancient, the ancient times, um, okay, and like the teaching of absolute autonomy of a local church, that was a prevailing teaching of the negative ones in the late 1980s. The absolute autonomy of the local churches. The purpose was to wrest the perceived control. Oh, Witness Lee controls the churches. So we should bring in a teaching that every church is autonomous and independent. We can get control of the churches by this teaching. Of course, Brother Lee never controlled the churches but these brothers with this teaching wanted to control the churches um no delegated authority of democracy instead of theocracy of no spiritual father i have spiritual fathers and i am thankful for my spiritual fathers in the present time so even as recently as 30, 31 years ago, there were blowing teachings in the Lord's recovery that caused tremendous damage. So we should not be unmindful of these things. We should be on our guard about against these things. And even we should be inoculated, vaccinated against the truth that there are winds of teaching. Uh, our world, our outside world, will become normal when most of the population receive a COVID-19 vaccination. Wonderful. That will bring an end to the pandemic. We need to be vaccinated. 
with a healthy teaching of God's economy. We need to know the healthy teaching of God's economy when we know it, when it's constituted into our being, when we live it out and work it out, we will have, I'll use this illustration, a nose. The priests in the Old Testament had to have a nose. We will know, oh, this teaching, this truth, this fellowship is according to the teaching of the economy of God, which builds up the local church, builds up the churches, or this is not according to the teaching of God's economy. This is a wind of teaching. This is a misaiming. So again, this is why even we end this conference with this particular message. We have four wonderful, healthy, positive messages. And then we have an inoculating word, a further level of um, protection. Brother, you on mute. That's what happens when you have your cursor over the mute button and you touch it. Apologies. So as one last, uh, before we get to the verses and the outlines, just a few quotes from the first chapter of this book that we just mentioned from Brother Lee himself. Many Christians are experiencing conflicts with each other today because they are in the realm of outward factors rather than centering on the intrinsic essence of the church. Instead of being one with one another to fight against God's enemies, enemy, many Christians are divided and even fighting one another. That was what was going on in 1989, division and fighting, even in local church meetings. Why has so much fighting taken place on this earth among Christians for so many centuries? It is because the Christians have turned away from the intrinsic essence of the church to something outward. The essence, the growth, the building up, and the fellowship are all very intrinsic. These are our first four messages. The essence, the, or, the growth, the building up, and the fellowship are all very intrinsic. If every Christian remained in these four intrinsic matters, we would have no problems. Whenever we turn from the intrinsic matters to something that we can touch outwardly and that we can see outwardly, we are on the way to divorce. One of the brothers shared, I shared about the, how we arranged the chairs in the meeting hall. Another brother, I can't remember, was with all of us or in one of the breakout rooms. We could end up arguing about how we arrange the chairs in the meeting hall. And, take, and we, we fight for our arrangement rather than fighting for the, the flow of life, uh, for life and peace. Brother, amen. Your way is the best way. Brother, I say amen to your arrangement. And you know what? 
even if that is the worst arrangement there has ever been in a meeting hall for chairs, that will be the best meeting you've ever had in your church. Do you know why? Because the Lord blesses the oneness. He blesses the one accord. He blesses the intrinsic amen in our hearts toward one another. We just are here to enjoy the Lord. Let's just arrange the chairs and let's enjoy him. That will bring in the blessing. So if we're just in the outward, oh, is the measurement right? Do we have, is there five chairs in the front row? Nine chairs in the second row? 13 chairs in the third row? Lord Jesus. Lord, bless the meeting. Bless every chair. Lord, we just, we're just here to gain you and minister you to one another. So again, repeating what Brother Lee says, if we merely focus or touch outwardly, we, uh, we are on our way to divorce. This is because all the outward physical things are dividing factors. At least they have the potential to be dividing factors. The more we grow in life, the less we will care about so many outward things. And what we will care for is the flow of the divine life. One last little piece of quote, and then I'll get to the verses. If we learn this lesson and receive the grace of the Lord, we will say, Lord, save me, rescue me, and turn me from the outward to the intrinsic. What a great prayer. Then immediately we will be one. This is why I am so burdened to fellowship about these four crucial things, the intrinsic essence, the intrinsic growth, the intrinsic building up, and the intrinsic fellowship. And then one page on, he says, we are safeguarded in these four intrinsic matters. We are safeguarded with these four intrinsic matters. Now, coming to our outline, and I want to go quickly so that Brother Mark has lots of time to conclude with Roman 2 with you all. Looking forward to that. Um, some of the verses, Ephesians 4, 13 to 15, until we all arrive at the oneness of the faith. This is the practical oneness based on the oneness in reality in Ephesians 4.3, 4.13 is the oneness in practicality. What is that? The oneness of the objective faith. In order to know what the objective faith is that we can be one on, we need to have the healthy teaching of the apostles' teaching. That is the oneness of the faith. And of the full knowledge of the Son of God. That means our apprehension of the revelation of Christ. Again, related to teaching. The proper teaching concerning Christ and the church. We arrive at the full knowledge of the Son of God at a full-grown man. So, so important. We need to grow. Dear saints, care for. Don't be so Burden, just everything is outwardly right, and ignore the intrinsic dispensing and life supply. Of course, we want things to be outwardly correct, but the basis is the intrinsic oneness and the life supply that we arrive at a full-grown man, at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then this verse, 
related to this message, that we may be no longer little children. The contrast between full-grown man and no longer little children. Our growth in the divine life, our growth in the knowledge, the full knowledge of the Son of God will save us from being tossed by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching in the slight of man in craftiness with a view to a system of uh, error. And the, the footnotes that go with this verse are in the second half of the outline, so they will be developed. But then it says, listen to verse 15, holding to truth, holding to truth, the truth of the apostles' teaching, the New Testament economy of God, holding to truth and love, we may grow up into him in all things who is the head Christ. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the teaching and the fellowship of the apostles. This is how the early church grew and spread. In one day in Jerusalem, 3,000 were added. And then it says, these continued steadfastly. How about us? Are we continuing steadfastly in the truths released in the seven feasts? Are we fellowshipping about these truths, enjoying sharing with one another the things we enjoyed from the crystallization study of Job about being on the tree of life. This is such a healthy and helpful practice to us. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, 3, and 4, again, Paul's exhortation to Timothy to charge certain ones not to teach differently. Do not teach something that is not according to the economy of God, that is not according to the uh, apostles teaching rather than God's economy um, and God's economy according to 1st Timothy 6 3 is the healthy words those of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching which is according to godliness Titus 1 9 holding to the faithful word holding on holding fast to the truth that has been released through the ministry of the age which is the teaching of the apostles. They are holding to the faithful word, which is according to the apostle, the teaching of the apostles, the healthy teaching. And then something that's quite important here. At 1 Corinthians 4.17, again, a little word to the Corinthians concerning Timothy from Paul. Because of this, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, even as I teach everywhere in every church. We have an absolutely rock-solid basis for our practice of teaching the same thing everywhere in every church. The teaching of the apostles issues in the fellowship of the apostles. The teaching of the apostles is the healthy teaching of God's economy, which builds up the church at every level. At the level of um, our personal growth in life. At the level of our family life. 
at the level of our vital group home meeting life, at the level of our district, our local church, our churches in our country, the churches on the whole earth. We teach the same thing everywhere. One of the things that I just love, and Mark mentioned this as well, we go to different countries. We may have never, ever met the saints in that country, but right away we can have sweet, life-giving fellowship with one another. Why? Because we're in the same teaching and the same fellowship. Straight away, there's an organic connection, not organizational, an automatic, intrinsic, flowing, living, joyful, strengthening, building up fellowship. What? Based on the divine life and the teaching of the economy of God, the apostles' teaching. Amen. And I just also, I'm just going back quickly to uh, Ephesians 4.13. We arrive at a full-grown man at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, this can be in our vital groups. This can be in our church. And what is the basis for arriving at the full-grown man? It's the life-dispensing teaching of the apostles. The, the teaching of the apostles ministers life, and life intrinsically causes us to grow unto maturity. The teaching of the apostles, the teaching which is according to God's economy, ministers life supply, not merely correct truth or correct doctrine. Life is is in this. I mentioned to you before, uh, truth is the container. Life is the content. So if I go to the supermarket, this is just a metaphor, and I buy a box of biscuits, maybe that's not the best, that's not that healthy. But anyway, I buy something. I want to see on the tin the apostles' teaching because I know when I open that container, I will get life. I will not get something that discourages me. I will not get something that confuses me. I will not get something that produces questioning. I open the tin and I go, what is this? No, I open the tin and I get life. I get nourishment. I get tasty, healthy, healthful food. That is the apostles' teaching. I want my house, my pantry in my house, stocked full of containers that say apostles teaching on the outside. Every meal I have will be a healthy, tasteful meal. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, let's go to the outline. Very quickly, I will go through. I would like to add one more verse that's not on the outline. Two more verses exact, to be sure, uh, to be uh, exact. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Second Timothy 2, 13 and 14. I'll read them to you. For which cause, um, chapter 2, got to be on the right page, uh, 13 and 14. Oh, Lord Jesus. First, Second Timothy chapter 1. 
verses 13 and 14. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 13 and 14. Hold a pattern of the healthy words that you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Why do I want to mention this? This is Paul's departing word of fellowship to his spiritual son and junior co-worker. Hold a pattern of healthy words. If you look up the word pattern in Greek, you will find out that it means outline. Hold an outline of the healthy words. Dear saints, behind Brother Mark and behind me are hundreds of outlines, hundreds of healthy words, outlines of the healthy words. This is what has kept me all the days in the church life and Brother Mark and many of the saints on this call. We can testify by holding the outlines by holding the outlines in a book that says the holy word for morning revival. This is my practice. I believe it's many of your practices. Get into this material. The healthy outlines of the healthy words will preserve us in the central line of God's economy all our days. Okay, Roman 1 says the teaching of the apostles is the unique teaching uh, and healthy teaching of God's eternal economy. That is the teaching of the apostles, the economy of God. The teaching of the apostles is the entire teaching of the New Testament as God speaking in the Son as the New Testament uh, to his New Testament people. So A, B, and C are definitions of what is the apostles' teaching. The entire teaching of the New Testament that B says the teaching of the apostles is the unique divine revelation of God's New Testament economy from the incarnation of God to the consummation of the New Jerusalem. Amen. C says the teaching of the apostles is the holding factor of the one accord, according to uh, uh, causing us to have one heart, one way, and one goal. The apostles' teaching produces a fellowship. Uh, our fellowship with one another causes us, according to that teaching, to be in one accord. The one accord is the master key to every blessing in the New Testament. This is a great blessing to us that all the churches on the earth can be in the genuine oneness and the proper one accord because all the churches are under the teaching and fellowship of the apostles. This ministry is a faithful re-speaking of the apostles' teaching. You know, we have been criticized in the past, oh, all you do is follow the teachings of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee. Dear brothers and sisters, we do not follow the teachings of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee uh, as persons. 
We follow their teaching because their teaching is the teaching of the apostles. All of their teaching is according to the genuine New Testament ministry, the teaching of the apostles. We follow their teaching because their teaching is the apostles' teaching. We do not follow a man. I'm referencing again as an example, 2 Timothy 1.15, where Paul says, All who are in Asia turned away from me. Well, Paul hadn't even met most of the churches and the saints. Impossible. So how can he say they turned away from me? Because Paul, Paul was referring to his teaching. He, had, he is identified with his teaching. He was an apostle who actually wrote more than half of the New Testament. The apostles' teaching, the, those churches turned away, not from the person of Paul, but from his teaching. We do not follow the persons of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee. We follow their teaching, which is according to the genuine New Testament ministry, according to the teaching of the apostles. It is a lie from Satan that we follow men. I'm happy to tell you I do follow a man. That man happens to be Jesus Christ. He's the man on the throne in the third heavens. That's the man who I follow. And I happily follow other men who bring me closer to him through their faithful ministry of the New Testament economy of God. I follow brothers who faithfully teach this ministry. I'm happy to sit under their teaching in the seven feasts because I know, I have a nose, I have a taste, I realize this is the healthy teaching. This teaching causes me to love the Lord and to love the saints and to love the churches more and more. This teaching causes me to say, my life is worthwhile. My life has meaning. I'm so happy that I have spent my life following this ministry, because it's bringing me closer and closer to the Lord who saved me and who I love. Thank the Lord for this ministry. What a blessing to be under the ministry of the age, at the end of the age. Amen. Okay, so um, go D, we must be those who are holding to the faithful word, which is according to the teaching of the apostles. We read that verse. The churches were established according to the apostles' teaching and followed their teaching. And the order of the churches was maintained by the faithful word, which was given according to the apostles' teaching. This is why it's so important to hold, hold to the faithful word. And then, as our co-laboring with the brothers and with the apostles, we must speak the things that are fitting to the healthy teaching of the apostles, the teaching of God's economy. These are the things that we should speak when we fellowship with one another. We have so much riches to share with one another and minister and dispense life to one another through the container of the apostles' teaching, ministering the content of that container, which is the divine life. 
He says any teaching that was different from the apostles' teaching was not allowed by the apostles. Teaching different things was prohibited. Again, sometimes we're accused, you're so strict. Oh, you don't receive anybody else's teaching. Dear saints, we receive the genuine New Testament ministry, the teaching according to the apostles. We are very clear and very aware. A little leaven, a little erroneous teaching can cause misaiming, can cause questionings, can discourage the saints, can bring in damage to the churches. So we should rightly watch over the souls of the saints and watch over what they eat, what is being fed to them. So this is our responsibility before the Lord to make sure that the saints are growing in a healthy way, growing in a normal way, and the churches are growing in a healthy and normal way. Differing teachings refers to teachings that are not in line with the economy of God. The disorder in the church is mainly due to deviation from the apostles' teaching. I will add another word there. The disorder and degradation. The epistles of First and Second Timothy and Titus were written at the beginning of the degradation of the church. Read those three epistles. Paul is constantly referring to not teaching differently. Beware how you teach. He was very aware. Different teachings bring in disorder and degradation. To counter this, we must hold to the faithful word taught in the churches according to the apostles' teaching. In a darkened and confused situation, we need to cleave to the enlightening and ordering word in the New Testament, the apostles' teaching. At the end of a storm in the 1970s, another major storm, when Brother Lee's ministry was restored, he began to release life messages. Life messages. He realized damage has come in. Degradation has come in. Disorder has come in. What was his solution? Minister life. Minister the healthy teaching to the states. The life will restore them. The life will recover them. The life will bring us back into the central lane of God's economy. This was our brother as a wise master builder, releasing message after message that dispensed the life supply to the saints according to the apostles' teaching. We must avoid differing teachings and concentrate on God's economy concerning Christ and the church. The apostles Paul taught the same thing in all the churches. We also must teach the same thing in all the churches in every country throughout the earth. What a blessing to be with you in Southern Africa this weekend, enjoying ministry that was released in the Chinese language in in the Far East and in North America. We are just enjoying the benefit and blessing of being under this teaching here in Southern Africa, fellowship from London, 
fellowship from Seattle, based on fellowship from Anaheim and Taipei, being ministered to the dear saints in Southern Africa. We teach the same thing in all the churches in every country throughout the earth. And the next point is the fourth banner. The crucial point of the healthy teaching of the apostolic ministry concerns the triune God process to dispense himself as the all-inclusive, life-giving spirit into his chosen ones so that they may be brought into an organic union to receive the divine transfusion and thereby become sons of God and members of Christ. As a result, they can become the body of Christ to express Christ, the one in whom the fullness of God dwells. All teachings that are different from the unique revelation of God's New Testament economy are considered by the apostles as winds of teaching. So, dear saints, that is my inoculating word. We need to be in the apostles' teaching. We need the apostles' teaching constituted into our being by holding a pattern of the healthy words. What a blessing to have this ministry. May this ministry not be merely here. May this ministry be constituted into our being and practiced, lived out, and worked out in all our churches. Amen. Brother Mark. Okay, I'll just continue. Thank you, Dr. Stewart, for that shot of inoculation. I think we Amen. need it. That will uh, inoculate us against a lot of different spiritual diseases. You know, in the New Testament, all teaching falls into only two categories, and Brother Michael just mentioned them. There's only two categories. There's the teaching of God's New Testament economy, which is the apostles' teaching, and then there's everything else. Everything else is a different teaching. Everything else is considered to be a wind of teaching. And why is that? Because the Bible has a central revelation. I know there's a lot of things in the Bible, and people pick up all kinds of points. But don't you believe that the Bible has a central revelation? Any book does. Any book has a theme or a central subject or revelation. What's the theme of the New Testament? It's God's New Testament economy. And everything else, Paul said, that's different. Different from what? Different from God's economy. So this is the, the basic understanding we need to have, as, as Michael pointed out, a teaching does not have to be heretical to be harmful. No, it just has to be different. And if it's different, it's harmful. So Michael mentioned first and second Timothy. I'd like to read a few verses to you from these books because these two, I said there are two categories of teachings. You can see this so clearly in the books of first and second Timothy and Titus. It starts 
in First Timothy 1, 4, nor to give, well, I'll, I'll start with verse 3. Even as I exhorted you when I was going into Macedonia to remain in Ephesus in order that you might charge certain ones not to teach different things, nor to give heed to myths and unending genealogies, which produce questionings, rather than God's economy. You see the contrast? There's God's economy, and there are different teachings. And as we read through these two books, 1 Timothy 1.10 talks about healthy teaching. The teaching of God's economy makes you spiritually healthy. And that other kind of teaching, it may not be wrong, but it'll make you sick. It will make you spiritually ill, I assure you. Okay, another verse I'd just like to mention. Ah, uh, you can't believe it. In 1 Timothy 4.1, teachings of demons. That's the extreme. That's the extreme. Then in 1 Timothy 4.6, being nourished with the words of the faith and of the good teaching. The good teaching. Um, okay, First Timothy 6, 3. If anyone teaches different things and does not consent to healthy words, those of our Lord Jesus and the teaching, which is according to godliness. That's the teaching of God's economy to make man god in life and nature the teaching according to godliness well i could go on but i won't but i'll point this out to you for your own study you you see these books have these two lines of speaking well i just mentioned one more paul said there's a there's a kind of speaking that their words eat like gangrene they devour you. I've heard some of that in the past. And uh, that's why we need to talk about this. God has a positive goal in his economy, which is to build up the organic body of Christ. This is all the positive things we've been talking about this weekend. That's the that's the central matter in God's economy. He wants to dispense himself into us so that we can be in reality, not just in name, in our very essence and in our very constitution, the body of Christ. And Satan knows what God's economy is because Satan, Satan knows the Bible and don't let Satan know the Bible better than you. You have to know it better than him, but he knows what God's economy is. So he attacks it and his method of attacking it, as Michael said, his method is subtle. He doesn't say, 
God's economy is wrong. Don't do that. Let's go instead of becoming the body of Christ, let's all become satanic. No, nobody would follow it. Nobody would follow such a teaching. So his way is subtle. And throughout church history, this is what has happened. Deviations have come in. Okay, one other point, and then I'll read this outline, and that is, you know, every truth in the Bible has two sides. You know, even a thin piece of paper, it has two sides. Look, there's no words on this side. So you may say, well, that's, that, that, that's a blank sheet of paper. No, it isn't. Look at the other side. It's full of words. So which one is right? Is it blank or is it full of words? There are two sides. And a lot of the deviations that have come in are due to this, what we could call the twofoldness of the divine truth. Is the church universal or local? Well, it's both. It's both. And you will fall into error if you overemphasize either side. You don't even, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going one step further. You don't even need to deviate from the truth. If your emphasis is wrong, it'll, it'll be a big problem. Like this teaching of autonomy. It's not totally wrong. There is a, there is a certain aspect of autonomy in the local assemblies, but it's not absolute. It's completely and harmoniously balanced with the truth of the universal body of Christ, which is all of the churches on the whole earth are one church. I belong to the same church you do. I'm just in a different location, but it's not a different church. I don't have a different church than you. We're in the same one. I'm just in another location. It's like a big, it's a bad illustration, but it's like a big multinational company. We've got offices in every city, but we work for the same company. Well, God's economy is his company. It's his divine enterprise in the universe. And you're in one location. I'm in another location. But listen, that's the only difference between you and me. The only difference is the physical location. Everything else is the same. Okay, now I'll I'll get into this outline with you. Um, Roman numeral one, which Michael covered, is the positive side. It tells us what is the proper teaching. And we can never take that for granted because it got lost. And it is still being recovered. So as Michael said, the best way to be saved from the the winds of teaching is to know the real thing. I agree with that 100%. But we will see in this outline that in addition to knowing this uh, proper teaching, 
The second thing that must happen for us to avoid falling into this trap is growth, growth in the divine life. As we grow in the divine life and as we gain more and more of the revelation of God's economy, this will save us. You know, I was a young person in the 70s. I was a college student when when there was trouble in the church and a lot of people I knew quite well left. And I was so surprised. I said, how can that be? I know they I know that they knew the teaching. They did. So I went I went to an older brother to ask him. I said, I you know, I know this person knew the truth. Why did he leave? And that's when it began to make sense to me that it's not about what we know. We have to know. We must know. The more the better. But in the end, to be kept in this intrinsic and organic reality of the body of Christ is a matter of our growing in the divine life. So now, now that we know this, we realize Ephesians 4 really emphasizes the growth. And I just point out in this chapter that Paul's thought is, well, let me just read a little bit to you, okay? And then, then we'll get to, to this outline. The, the key verse is um, the one that we're talking about today is verse 14, that we may be no longer little children. Thought of growth, right? Be no longer little children tossed by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching in the slight of men in craftiness with a view to a system of error, but holding to truth in love, we may grow, we may grow, grow up into him in all things, who is the head Christ. Then verse 16, out from whom all the body being joined together and being knit together through every joint of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part causes the growth. Three times here, Paul mentions the growth. And in verse 16, he says that the growth equals the building up of the body of Christ. And we, we talked about this when in this conference, when we talked about the organic increase of the church, it's growth. So this growth not only has a positive effect, the positive effect of our growth in life, hallelujah, the positive effect is the body is built. But a secondary effect, when we are no longer little children, no one will be able to cheat us through a different teaching. Okay, uh, Roman numeral two says, as members of the body, we should be no longer little children, 
tossed by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching. It's, it's a, can you picture it? It's like being on a boat and the wind is blowing and the waves are coming and the little children are, are going like this. That's how I was in the 1970s and the 1980s. Um, the children are the ones who, who suffer. Little children refers to those believers who are young in Christ, lacking maturity in life. B, the waves are stirred up by winds of different teachings. Let's come back to this point of different. In 1 Timothy 1, 3 and 4, which I read to you, Paul charged Timothy to remain in Ephesus to charge certain ones not to teach different things. What they taught actually was from the scriptures. Don't think that just because something is in the scriptures, it's not a different thing. As I told you at the beginning, our emphasis has to match the emphasis of the Bible. Well, Paul mentions genealogies. Are there genealogies in the Bible? Of course there are. Genesis is full of genealogies. The New Testament begins with a genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Is that, our, is that the emphasis of the Bible? No, no, it's not. I want to tell you, I want to tell you a little story now. This is from the 1970s when I was a student. And I lived with some other brothers, and uh, I preached the gospel to my classmates, and one of them came into the church life, and he was, oh my goodness, he was smart. He's probably the smartest guy I've ever known, if you just consider IQ. And we, he and I used to read the Bible together, study the Bible together. I love to do that. And one day I came home from the campus from my classes and he had a very big, big piece of paper that covered a whole table and he was writing on it. I said, I said, wow, brother, what are you doing? He said, I'm making a genealogy. I said, why? He said, I got to figure this out. So, he, you know, he had started with Adam. And he got, he says, he says, I'm stuck. I need your help. I'm stuck. He said, Esau, in one place, it says that Esau had a wife named such and such. But in another place, it says his wife's name was thus and so. And he said, I can't finish my genealogy. Can you help me? I said, oh, oh. I don't want to help you. I said, can't we do something else besides the genealogy? And he, he, he just wouldn't let it go. So I quoted him, 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, 3, and 4, about endless genealogies. 
but he wasn't satisfied. So I said, okay, brother, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give, I'll give you the answer. If you promise to put away the genealogy and pray, read first Timothy one, three, and four with me. He said, okay. I said, it's easy. Esau had two wives. Now throw that thing away and let's get into the Bible. (laughs) I just use this as an example. It really happened. We can get, you know, our curiosity. We read, I'm this way. I, 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 you know, I got a lot of books. I, I love, I love, I do have a curiosity with the Bible. Everything's interesting to me. That's why we need a focus. That's why we need an emphasis. And it needs to match Paul's emphasis. Why? Because Paul wrote 14 of the 27 books. And Paul is the unique one to use this word over and over and over again, the word economy. Okay, B says, the waves are stirred up by winds of different teaching, doctrines, concepts, and opinions sent by Satan to entice the believers in order to carry them away from Christ and the church. One more word, okay, on this. You know, when Satan tempted Eve... Have you thought about the the words he used there? He came to Eve and said, you know, if you eat this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. Who doesn't want to be like God? Doesn't God want us to be like him? You see, it was close. It's not what God wanted. But it was close enough when he said, you're going to be like God. Well, he lied to her. If he was honest, he would have said, if you eat the tree of knowledge, you will be like Satan. But he didn't say that. He said, if you eat the tree of knowledge, you'll be like God. He mentioned God to her and being like God. See the subtlety? Does God want men to be like him? No, God wants something more than that. God wants to beget human beings as his own children with his own life. Not just being like him outwardly, but being him in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. That, that's, what, that's, that's what God wants. And the picture of that is a human family. You know, I have a picture of my father behind me. I won't show it to you. But I have a picture of my father when he was a middle-aged man. If I show you that picture, you'll say, oh, that's Brother Mark. No, it's not me. It's not me. It's my father. Uh, and I, I look like him. I look just like him. I even sound like him. I didn't try to do that. This is, this is a picture of God's economy. He wants to beget us 
with the divine life and then grow the divine life within us until when people see us, they see him. I could I could say the same thing that the Lord said in John 14. Why do you ask me to show you my father? He, he who has seen me has seen my father. I look just like him. That's the picture in the human life. May it be so in our spiritual life. That's, that's what God wants. Okay, so just, just keep this point in mind. When the enemy comes, he's, he's, we, we, I, I never like to give Satan any credit, but I'll give him credit for this. He is crafty. Wow, is he crafty. He can tell you something that sounds so close to the right thing that you'll take it. And this is why we really need both things that we mentioned. We really need the knowledge of the truth, and we really need the growth in life. Keep these two points. You have you get the knowledge of the truth. You get the growth in life. Satan comes with a lie. You'll be just like the Lord was in Matthew 4. You know, Satan quoted the Bible to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 4. He uses the Bible to lie. <laughs> so you've got to really be careful. Okay, let me let me go on. Small one, it is difficult for infants in Christ to discern these winds. The only way to escape from the waves that are stirred up by the winds of teaching is to grow in life. And the safe way to grow in life is to stay in the proper church life with Christ and the church as the safeguard. Amen. That's right. That's really right. Small two. Now, this this point touches this point of emphasis. Any teaching, even a scriptural one, that distracts believers from Christ and the church is a wind that carries them away from God's eternal purpose. I'm sorry, I'm going to repeat myself, but I feel the Lord's burden. Um. The Bible has a central thought. It goes through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know, the Bible's not 66 books. It's one book. And it's not two books, an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Bible is the Bible, okay? Let's see. Let's get it. See? It's just one book. You have to look at it like that. This is one book, has a beginning, has an end. You could consider the 66 books like 66 chapters. But listen, it's one book, which means it has a subject. What's the subject of the Bible? Remember when you were a student and you had to read a book and then the teacher asked you, what's the subject? If you go out this afternoon or this evening and you ask a thousand people in Southern Africa, 
what is the subject of the Bible? You're going to get a thousand answers. And unless you ask Brother Mike or, or Brother Bevan or Brother Albert, none of them are going to answer that the, 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 the subject is God's economy. Of course, you ask those brothers, they'll tell you, oh, you want to know the subject of the Bible? It's God's eternal economy. But most people don't realize that. We need to, because we need to, we need to understand even our teaching of the Bible could be not profitable to people. I just use another example that I know of. It's because it's here in my city. There was a, uh, a brother. He's a real brother. Uh, in the Lord. And he actually used to meet with us many, 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 many years ago. And he anyway, he kind of began his own kind of a group and his own kind of teaching. Do you know what he considers to be the central teaching of the entire Bible? And I'm not making this up and I'm not exaggerating. You ready? Tithing. Tithing. Now, let me ask you. I know tithing is in the Bible. I practice tithing. But really? Is there anyone here who believes that tithing is the central point in the Bible? He does. And he's written book after book to tell people it's all about tithing. So this shows us, and church history shows us, how easily people can become distracted from the central revelation. So this is why I'm trying in my sharing to balance these two things. We have to see something. Then we have to grow into it. We have to see that central revelation in the Bible then we need to grow in the book of Ephesians, this same book that we are talking about. In chapter one, Paul prays that we will have a spirit of revelation to see this intrinsic and organic reality of the building up of the church. But then in chapter three, he prays that Christ will grow within us, that Christ will make his home in us. That will, that will make that revelation, that vision, it'll make it, it'll make it you. You will become the embodiment of that very thing that you have seen when it has grown within you. That, that's what Paul was doing in the book of Ephesians. That's what we're trying to do this weekend. Okay, point C, we need to see the intrinsic factor of the winds of teaching. It's intrinsic, as Michael said, because it's hidden. And I would add, you know, in the case of the winds of teaching, they're not only hidden, they're crafty. And Paul uses this word in Ephesians 4, craftiness. They're subtle like the serpent. To see this intrinsic factor, we need a proper and sharp understanding 
that can penetrate into the whole situation. So now we come back to the understanding. These teachings are different from the New Testament teaching concerning the economy of God or the building up of the body of Christ. We can never hear it too many times. Uh, I've been around a long time under this ministry and in this ministry. I need to hear this. I need to hear it every day. We we get so easily drawn away from that, don't we? Apparently, every wind of teaching is good. See, the winds, they're like, like we've been saying, they don't sound bad. And they don't sound like heresy. They sound good. If they didn't sound good, no one would believe them. However, within the winds of teaching intrinsically, is something different from the apostles' teaching, which is not good. There's an evil motive. There's a motive. You know, we're, 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 we're speaking God's economy with no motive. We have, we have no hidden motive, none at all. We just want to speak Christ to you as life for the building up of the church. The winds of teaching have a motive which is hidden, a a hidden intention to damage you and to damage God's building. B, the winds of teaching overthrow the believer's faith and devastate the church life. That's That's the ultimate goal. Individually to overthrow your faith and then on a larger scale, devastate the church life. That's, 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 that's all Satan does day and night. Okay. Point D, the teachings that become winds carrying the believers away from the central line of Christ and the church are deceptions instigated by Satan in his subtlety with the slight of men in order to frustrate God's economy, which is to build up the body of Christ. Please note in point D, you have this expression, the central lane. That's what I was talking about. That's the theme That's the subject. That's the focus of the entire Bible. But not everybody sees it. I assure you not everyone sees it. And we need to pray that we will see it. You know, um, we can use this as an illustration. Suppose behind me, instead of books, suppose there's a uh, you got to use your imagination for this one. Suppose there's a a big painting. And it's a painting of a jungle scene, a scene in the jungle. And right in the center of this picture is a tiger. But all around the tiger, there's 
trees and vines and snakes and monkeys and birds and plants. So we all come to look at the picture and I ask you, what's that picture about? You go, well, look, there's snakes. It's about snakes. Then I ask somebody else, they say, oh, no, 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 that's a picture of monkeys. What's the center? Don't miss the tiger. There's a tiger. That's the, the picture is about the tiger. Not all that other stuff. And if I tell you, oh, yeah. You know, we really need to understand the monkeys and the snakes and the birds and the vines. I'm cheating you. I'm cheating you. All those things only exist for the tiger. You you get my point, I think. Okay, let, let's go on. Um I got distracted by the tiger. Tigers can distract you. Okay, number one under D, the dividing teachings are organized and systematized by Satan. Did you notice Paul uses this word that the teachings are a system? They're a system. You know what the world is? The cosmos? It's Satan's system and these winds of teaching are systematized by satan to cause serious error and thus damage the practical oneness of the body life and the verse says that it it is in the slight of men and if you look at the footnote on that verse it, it 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 refers to like a person who is playing a card game and they they cheat they cheat they pull the card out it's a it's a kind of a uh, of a cheating a sleight of men in order to frustrate god's eternal economy which is to build up the body of christ amen Okay, the purpose of the winds of teaching, this is E, we're almost finished because we got to leave some time for you to share. E, the purpose of the winds of teaching, the evil purpose of the enemy Satan is to frustrate the building up of the organic body of Christ. How? By dividing the members. See, this is Satan's way always. Let's make a division. And it doesn't even need to be a big division. We just say, well, you know, I don't don't see it quite the way you see it. Well, down the road, a ways, that's going to be a division. If you and I remain focused on God's economy, we'll never be divided, ever. But you have to know the number one tool of Satan, the number one thing is division. 
That's why he uses these winds of teachings to get us to divide. That's what he wants. He wants to divide the members of the organic body of Christ, causing endless divisions. Instead of keeping the oneness of the body of Christ in love and in kindness. Okay, now we'll go quickly on the last point, but I'm very glad it's here. And uh, Michael mentioned it. It's in the, the, the book as well. The erroneous teaching concerning the absolute autonomy of a local church has crept into the Lord's recovery. Okay, as I said, there is a twofoldness of the divine truth. The truth concerning the church is there is a universal aspect and there's a local aspect. And the administration and the service of the church also has these two aspects. The local administration of the church is the elders, according to the entire New Testament. And in the universal church, there are gifts. And that's right in Ephesians 4, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, teachers. They function extra locally. And the elders function locally along with the deacons to take care of and build up a local church. It's wonderful. Shouldn't there be a sweet and harmonious relationship between the elders in the local church and those gifts in the universal church? Of course there should. That's, a, that's exactly what Ephesians 4 is talking about. The only way a local church is autonomous is in, never in an intrinsic or organic way only in an extrinsic way. In other words, you may have your prayer meeting at a different time in Johannesburg than we have our prayer meeting in Seattle. We don't have to do it on exactly the same day at exactly the same hour. No, no, that, that's outward. That's extrinsic. But on all of the intrinsic and organic things we are not autonomous is any member of our body autonomous if it is it's outside of the body to teach that the local churches are absolutely autonomous is to divide the body of christ the teaching concerning autonomy has corrupted misled and deceived christians and created many divisions. This happened among the brethren assemblies in, in England. You know, a lot of our theology, we, we readily admit, and we happily admit, a lot of our theology comes from that source. And you know, you know where else a lot of our theology comes from? South Africa person named Andrew Murray. But anyway, I'm just saying uh, the brethren, they erred on this point. And especially one person, G.H. Lang, who was a great Bible teacher, but 
he overemphasized the local aspect. He neglected the universal aspect. He fell into error. Okay. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, no part can be autonomous. The local churches are for the expression of the body of Christ. They are the manifestation of the one unique body of Christ in the universe in various localities. Same church, same one church, same one body. We just happen to live in different parts of this universe, right? In our consideration, the body should be first and the local churches should be second. Why? Because ultimately, saints, there won't be local churches. The local churches are a procedure. Ultimately, in the next age, we're not going to be practicing the local churches. We're going to just be living in the reality of the one body as the goal. So we have to keep in mind, we, we treasure this procedure very, very much because you really can't be in the body in reality unless you're in a local church. But we still have to, in our consideration, we have to remember the goal is not to build up my individual local church. No, the goal is to build up the one unique body. Okay, if we know the body and are conscious of the body, we will realize that the church as the organic body of Christ has nothing to do with autonomy. Autonomy is a wind of teaching. I'm so happy, like Michael is, that you and I are not practicing autonomy. I, I, I live... I live 10,000 miles away from Johannesburg. You know, that means there's a pretty big time difference. But I, I'm in the church in Johannesburg. I, I, you know, it, it's the same church. It's just a different time zone, that's all. <laughs> but it's the same church. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to stop here. The brothers will tell us what to do for our prophesying.